exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. Monday nights at 7 on Impact Exposures, the Spartan Sport Trap for some athletic closure. Where our first priority is Spartan Sports, hosted by Dan, my man who loves the courts. We're here to cover every single Detroit team, putting out more stats than you could even dream. Call 517-432-3893 and we'll put you right through. We cover all bases like the Tigers at Comerica, our hits like the Lions, and you know we're always there for you from Rip to Rashid. We'll keep you updated when it comes to Detroit sports, rap is top rated. We're hot when it's cold, like the Red Wings, all about the Spartans, the what we bring the sport and sports rap we give stats we can't sing only on wdbm east lansing welcome into the basement it is monday night it is seven o'clock you know what my voice is back this week and you know what i've got plenty to say so thank the lord my voice is back i'm sure you all saw it i'm sure you all witnessed it whether you were drenched in torrential downpours of what looked to be snow from the press box and inches and inches of rain you saw the upset not even an upset a just a blow of a game by Michigan State they just gave that game away but you know what we'll talk about that later yeah we'll start off on a better note on the sports wrap tonight but it was a nice day out for one geez I think that the temperatures may have even reached past 60 degrees today yeah it was so, it was a nice little walk to class this morning so, hey, uh, as always, my main man across from me, Dewan Simmons. What's up, Dan, man? How's it going? Uh, hey, we're doing all right. We've uh, we've got some both good and poor news coming from uh, the world of sports, both locally and nationally. But, hey, uh, you know what? I'll let him talk a little bit tonight in the house. The rookie, Steve, what's going on, babe? Uh, <coughs> I think I'm still choking from Saturday. Sorry about that. Wow, he has just stepped his game up. Is this a... If this were like uh, around the horn, I'd give you like two points or something for that. Wow, that was, that was like Woody Page or something. Jeez. But hey, if you didn't catch the number in the beautiful intro, the number is area code 517-432-3893. All callers, welcome all hour, except if your name is Rachel. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm sure we'll be expecting that call coming from the Washington District of Columbia later this hour. But hey, you know what? We'll start with the good. And uh, the good that came out of this weekend was uh, in terms of Michigan State basketball. And uh, that is Corey Lu- Lucius, a five foot eleven combo guard from Milwaukee, who was first looked at in 8th grade by Michigan State, has verbally committed to Michigan State. Although this is nothing legal of any nature, um, the kid has a strong verbal to Michigan State, and he's excited to come here. I watched this kid play this weekend. Uh, he's got a lot of upside, but most importantly, he he is a good, I'll say great player now. Four-star recruit coming out of Wisconsin. Uh, but another point guard, um, Kalen Lucas coming in the class of 07 from Orchard Lake St. Mary's. If you didn't catch him, he just played in the state semifinals where he lost, I believe it was to Okemos that game. Um, great game. Kid's a great player, strong player. But I don't know, you commit after a five-star recruit, point guard, your same position, commits the year before. Um, do you see that as a uh, as a conflicting uh, co- competition there at, uh, at the same position? Well, it all has to do with the scheme. Maybe the coaching has during the recruits has offered them a different aspect of how they were going to play. Maybe they're going to play more up-tempo where they need that depth 
that, you know, having more players that could play the point and do ball handling will help. Or just coming from Michigan State's point of view, their downfall in these last couple of years have been lack of point guard play. So I guess they're taking the opportunity to stock the position as well as they can now. Ever since Matina, <clears throat> it, it's just been a, a, a falling apart at the, at the point guard position. In my opinion, Chris Hill's career was ruined when moved to, to point guard from yeah. shooting guard. One of the best shooters in the country coming in, saw, had great freshman, sophomore years, moved, moved, had to move over to point guard because of Brandon Cotton transferring to UAD. Yep, see, and you know that, that you know, like him transferring puts the pressure on them and makes them have to reevaluate their recruiting classes and who they actually offer scholarships to because they have to protect themselves against things like that. I know B. Cotton coming out of uh, the poorest high school, phenomenal player, great ball handler, Everything Michigan State wanted and more, but, you know, he took the decision to go back to U of D uh, Jesuit and, and finish his uh, college career. So that puts the pressure on. Like, I agree with you with Chris Hill ending his career because he's definitely not a combo guard. Him having to handle the ball all the time definitely put the pressure on him. You know, he's more of a coming off screen, spot up shooter. So he wasn't able to maximize his ability. So I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're taking the approach yeah. that we stack the position. You know, we could find a true point guard because right now, if you look at the roster, the way I'm looking at it, Nightsoe's definitely going to have to put up points. So he's going to be more of a combo two, actually. Yes, he's, and Travis will start at the one. <clears throat> and Travis will have to start at a pure point. But at the same time, Travis is not a pure point guard. No. You know, so he hasn't proven himself. So, you know, they're looking down the road, stack the position, get these guys in, maybe redshirt them if you have to, let them get some experience, and then come out and you definitely have a team that'll be ready to run the court. I'll tell you what, though, Travis Walton is busting his tail right now to get ready for this upcoming season. Talked to him this weekend. Kids working really hard, as are the, all of the MSU players, because they have no other choice at this, <laughs> at this elite program. But, hey, this Luke, Corey Lucas, if you're just joining us, five foot eleven guard from Milwaukee, um, class of 2008, MSU's bas- basketball's first verbal commit. Um, he picked MSU over offers from powerhouses like defending national champion Florida and Kansas, um, which somewhat surprises me. But hey, coming next door, he's coming from Wisconsin, so uh, he is ranked the number 36 player in the nation by Rivals.com. Um. But one objective that uh, Lucius hadn't spoke about this weekend was convincing Delvon Rowe, a personal friend of his, a 6'7 forward from Ohio, the number 5 forward in the nation, according to Rivals.com. He's from Euclid, Ohio. He's uh, trying to convince Delvon to visit or to join him at MSU. Pardon me, Delvon has visited MSU and was at the football game Saturday night. Delvon, a five-star recruit out of Ohio, plays on LeBron James, King James men, I believe is a AAU <laughs> yeah, team is called. Uh, but this kid is the real deal. So hopefully uh, some persuasion there by Delvon, but I'm sure instrumental recruiting by Tom Izzo and his whole staff. Good job, fellas, to bring in Corey Lucius, another point guard to add depth to that roster. And I told you the Michigan State team will win its next national title in 09. This team is going to be stacked and packed. I'm telling you. The, too bad I'm going to be gone and graduated, hopefully. Right. Hopefully. But, man, <laughs> Michigan State basketball has a bright future, and it just got brighter this weekend with the, the, the verbal commitment of Corey Lucius. He told this to Tom Izzo during the game at Spartan Stadium. I don't know. It, m- it might have something to do with seeing all that NBA out there on the field before the game, maybe, seeing those those dollars and that success out there. Right. But, wh- hey, whatever it takes. Um 
and that's what Michigan State football did not have. <laughs> but hey, the number is five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. I am sure there are some callers out there who are calling for the firing of John L. Smith. I want to hear it. I'll tell you what I think later in the hour. The number is five one seven four three two three eight nine three. But hey. We'll skip up to the number five, and that is the number of millions that will be coming from the bank account of alumni Robert and Julie Scandalaris of Bloomfield Hills. Donating to the Duffy Doherty expansion project we talked about about a month ago on the show that the football building is trying to expand, get a new weight room, new locker room. Um, it was going to cost about $12 million, and now the uh, funds for that have been bumped up to 8.2. Very impressive. Very quick, too. Yeah. Uh, there there <laughs> might be uh, some politics behind this donation. I'm not sure. This is all, this is all just a, a guess for me. But uh, to give $5 million, I don't know if, if he owns an auto parts company. Um, I don't know if he's looking for a, a major tax write-off here of some sort or uh, or he has some personal interest in some, uh, some of the uh, positions at MSU that uh, needed a little extra security. <laughs> you, you could say, but five million—that is uh, the newest, or the the highest total uh, donated ever to an athletic program here. Last was uh, the veteran Steve Smith in two point five million, not to be outdone. But hey, that is a nice gift. Right. Steve Smith still tops my list, but uh, but hey, eight point two million. We got a uh, three point eight to go. So uh, I don't know. I don't really see the need for all this, but uh, if it helps. Helps to get more recruits in and uh, maybe some guys that can play in the secondary. <laughs> you know, I don't like to just continuously bash the secondary. As as I took a step back and actually just absorbed the game, it is their fault, but at the same time it's not their fault because they're out of position by design in time a lot, out, time in a lot out. of situations. We, hey, we, we're we're going to get there. You know what? I told, I told you we are going to start off with the good stuff, okay? You're right. You know, we, we can't we can't get to this breakdown of Notre Dame too soon. I'm just waiting for that first phone line to light up. 517-432-3893 is the number. Give me a shout. We're in the basement tonight on the Sports Wrap. But, hey, Two of our good friends here at the Sports Rep, MSU tennis players. These guys played pickup ball, basketball with us all summer. So we had to include this information. MSU tennis coming from the courts. Green and furry balls. Mike Flowers and Adam Monick picked up a doubles win for MSU this weekend, uh, defeating the tandem from Louisville 8-4. to And, hey, uh, a good wing buddy of mine on the court, Nick Rinks, <laughs> picked up a three singles wins this weekend. That was at a, a tournament down in Ohio. I think it was Kings Island. Um, they won all their matches this weekend. So, hey, congratulations to Michigan State Tennis. Mike Flowers, Adam Monick in doubles. And our good buddy Nick Rinks along with Adam. Uh, the next outing for Michigan State's uh, tennis team will be a ITA All-American tournament October 2nd through 8th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, I wouldn't mind being in Tulsa, Oklahoma October 2nd through 8th. Let me tell you, but hey, you know who was in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Doug Wojcik, <laughs> former Michigan State assistant, doing his thing down there, coaching the University of Tulsa. But hey, we move forward through the hour in a new segment on the show tonight. You know, I have no production for it, but hey, we we go on for. I'll explain uh, the segment tonight. It's called "What Gets on My Nerves." This is brought to you by my girlfriend. Who just knows how to get on my nerves? They all do. But uh, but hey, that was a joke. But hey, we're gonna talk about what gets on your nerves in the world of sports, whether it's on TV, 
whether in, in games, officiating, you know, what's been getting on your nerves? So, you know what? I came up with this uh, this little segment here, and, I, and I'm going to kick it off. You know, why Why do every, every time I turn on the TV, Juan, why do... I know the craze has, has long passed us, but why do every time I turn on the TV, I see poker being played on TV? You know, it gripe. It, that's that's one of my gripes too. It changed from a fad to a trend, and now it looks like it's not it's not going anywhere. You know, it was okay in the beginning. Okay, you flip through. There's some down airtime. You know, put a poker on. Fine, but now it's on seven, eight different channels. <laughs> Children, seniors, it's not, get it off of there. It's not a real sport. I don't want it clogging my airways when I'm trying to see SportsCenter on the nightcap at 2 in the morning and on comes the Poker Grand Texas (laughs) Hold'em style championship. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Get it out of here. Yeah, I've had enough of poker. ESPN, come on, you're you're the worldwide leader in sports and entertainment. Hopefully one day... Uh, I'm, I may work there, so you know I don't want to cross. Yeah, don't bash them too bad. But hey, you know what? That's enough poker, especially on ESPN. You guys have a channel for everything: Deportes Classic. Get ESPN Poker Channel or something. You can let Howard Letter and those guys battle it out with fifty-two cards. <laughs> <laughs> Just gets on my nerves. It's, then they come out with Omaha and seven card stud and five card and it's, it's, speed it's, it's poker. It's endless. It's endless. It's endless. Golly, are you kidding me? It, it seems like. The fad was in when I was a senior in high school. We were, we all got poker chips for Christmas, and, right. and we're playing you know five dollar buy-ins in friends' <laughs> basements. But this has just gotten outrageous. Can we can we put something else on like sumo wrestling or something? anything? I'll take the sumo. But the the funniest part about it all though is if you ever listen to the commentators, how they try to make it sound exciting. You know, poker might be the least exciting thing you could possibly watch as far as program or in person. It's, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, Dave, Dave Chappelle did a, a great uh, jab at the World Series of Poker <laughs> yeah. by, by doing a segment called the World Series of Dice in uh, Marcy Projects. What what a great a great segment that was on Chappelle's show. Wow, that was hilarious. But, hey, you know what? That was the segment called Get On My Nerves, brought to you by my girlfriend. Yeah, she has a way to get on my nerves, but you know what? It's all right. We let it slide. But hey, the number's 517-432-3893. I want to take a quick break because I'm going need to need to muster up every ounce of strength and voice to get through this next section of the show, the MSU Notre Dame recap. And do we fire John L. or do we keep him? Later in the hour, we'll be back. You're in the basement with Dan and Duan on the Sports Wrap. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to The Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. 
One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. That's a beautiful kick and snare in that in that intro there, coming back, fading into the show. Wow, I like that. Yeah, you are tuned into Exposure. More importantly, you are in the basement with Dan and Duan on the Sports Wrap. Spartan Sports Wrap, your number one stop for all the up-to-date sports information on Michigan State sports and the best commentary you can find on your local dial, dial-up, or DSL. Direct satellite line, I believe. Direct service line, something like that. <laughs> but hey, you know what? We tell it how it is because uh, we're commercial free here at The Impact and uh, we have no conflicting interests with our advertisers. So hey, you know what? We're sounding good. It sounds like we had some feedback there in the first part of the show. Bear- Thank you for bearing with us if you're still there, listening ship America. We're moving on to the Notre Dame recap, as I'm sure all of you have heard or watched because it was on national TV. Hey, you didn't even have to have cable to see this one. Wow, what a devastating turn of events in the fourth quarter. What a devastating turn of events. But as a Michigan State fan for many years, it's what you expect. Yeah. It's, it's what I've been conditioned by the Michigan State Society to endure. I mean, we have lone bright spots like, hey, a, a run to the Final Four for the women's field hockey. Right. <laughs> you know, a 2000 national championship that we are still breathing the fumes of or or running on the fumes in that gas tank off of. But, hey, Saturday was uh, the same story. I had uh, I was standing on the sideline the last few minutes of the game there and uh, and just seeing the turn of events unfold in front of my eyes on the field there. Thankfully, it wasn't raining because my new suit would have just been done for. Done for, but, hey, right after the rain had stopped, you know, I was in the nice dry press box throughout the game, so whew, thankfully. Duan was there also. Yeah, I was in the box with you. So, hey. Uh, watching that game fall apart there in the last few minutes, it's like I went into a trance at, at the game one, and, and I started, I started visions starting going past my eyes, um, like the two pass losses to Michigan in the last minute, you know, Drew Stanton getting hurt in, in, in Damon Dowdell not being able to salvage a victory down there in Ann Arbor, our, our basketball team uh, falling apart against, uh, not really falling apart, but just losing that game against Gonzaga. Um, what what else came to my mind while I was uh, standing there on that sideline, uh, holding back the tears of disappointment? I could say, man, it was it was tough watching watching the basketball team uh, up five at halftime and down there in St. Louis against North Carolina, it just lose that game in the second half. It's like what could have been with Michigan State sports, but you know I still remain faithful. But hey, 
will be known as the losing team in all of the great games, it seems. And it seems we have a call. Welcome to the Sports Wrap. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up? How you doing? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yo, this is James calling from Michigan State. James, what up, man? So, what's the word? What do you want to chat about? You know, I want to talk about the Michigan State game. I just want to come up with one statement about it. I didn't even watch the second half. I was busy playing some games, you know, because it's Saturday night and that's what you do. Some when the game. final score comes on, at first I was surprised. You see that 40 to 37. I was like, what? But then, for some reason, the natural reaction was just like, no big deal. It's just expected. I don't understand why, but it's like expected for Michigan State football to fold in the second half. Fold like a, and come apart like a paper suit in the washing machine or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. That goes up there with the uh, real sports are when you hunt, kill, and eat your opponent. But, uh, but hey, so your thoughts on Notre Dame. Uh, did Notre Dame win this game or did Michigan State lose this game, James? It's a combination of both, though. You can't really say the Notre Dame winner or Michigan State lose it because Notre Dame took advantage of the mistakes Michigan State was making. They clearly made the adjustments at the half, otherwise they would have been playing the same position they were in the first half. And Michigan State clearly didn't make the adjustments they needed to make. They should have looked at the game, seen how it was progressing, and stopped Brady Clint from getting five touchdowns, one interception. So, James, do you fire John L. Smith? I give him one more week. Another week, but you would, you would fu- you're saying fire John L. Smith midseason. You can't do that. you got to give him another week against a decent opponent and see how he does. A decent opponent. We're going to have to wait two weeks to see the incredible opponent from Ann Arbor. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Michigan has one heck of a football team. I'll tell you what, we get spanked by Michigan. I want John L. Smith out of there fast, and you can say $5 million donation. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, well thanks, thanks to James calling in from East Lansing. Hey, keep them coming tonight. I love it. Fire John L. Smith is the word on campus today. I wrote an article this morning, and boy, we're the students saying fire John L. this morning. Wow. I'm sure the press conference was heated, but you know what? Being the... Uh, the student that I am, I was in class during the press conference, and was I going to skip class to go to a press conference? Oh, boy, did it cross It my was mind. quite tempting. I was in the same boat as you, Dan. It was quite tempting to get out there and, and listen to what John L. has to say about the, the great collapse of this see, past weekend. See, if, if you do not know, obviously most of you listeners have not been in a press conference, have not interviewed John L. Like, like we have. You know, I'm not trying to boast here, but John L. is a very coy person, okay? He, he likes to beat around the bush. He doesn't really like to get to, to the answer of a question, whether it, it be very a transparent question or opaque. He will not really get to the answer, and I can only imagine what he was saying today. He say, tries to stay as vague as possible. He's, he's like vague, a politician yes, vague on the mic. as possible. So I, I'm pretty sure they pinned him down and, and really tried to you know, gut check him and get some real answers out of him today about a lot of things that, you know, were quite questionable or, in my opinion, he done very wrong in, that, in the coaching of that game. Do you fire John L. Smith? 517-432-3893. I need to know. But, hey, can we just start with the good? There was some good in this beating that Notre Dame handed us in the second half on Saturday night. We did score 31 first-half points against a number 12-ranked Irish who were in many sports casters' eyes, men who sit behind the mic like me, picked to be the national champion this year. We can't we can't put that past that just because Michigan laid a whooping on Notre Dame that this is not a good team. Yeah, this was a good football team who many picked Brady Quinn to win the Heisman and Notre Dame to win the national championship. Yeah, they were favored by a lot of people to not only 
contend, but to actually, like you said, win the national championship for a lot of reasons. For one, they are an independent school. That's one thing that has to be taken into consideration. Thus, they don't have a conference schedule they have to play. They play, they play who they choose to play. And they play the dogs. They play Michigan. They play, well, if you want to call us a, a, dog, <laughs> a dog, maybe a, a wiener dog. But in the preseason, though, in the preseason, all serious seriousness, you know, Michigan State was slotted as a top 50 team, and they're still a top 50 team. So when you go and do their, you know, their RPI, the strength of schedule, Notre Dame is up there with the best of them because they play. They still Mi- play USC. They got USC left. They have, you know, they play Michigan, Penn State, you know, a solid team. Uh, you know, it did, it's just the, it's just the way that Notre Dame works, you know. Hey, they are, they are a, the, you, like you mentioned, they are an, an independent team, which I think plays to their benefit, but hey, uh, they're going to play the best of the best every year. There they got the national TV contract. They need to, to bring in the best. But uh, the good, we did score 31 first half points against a number 12 team in the country. Come on. We did not deserve to be in the top 25 after Pitt. Um, we got what we deserve. We got some consideration. But given the past history with this team and this coaching staff, we did not deserve to be in the top 25. But, hey. Kerry Reed caught two touchdown passes, like we talked about, and like I every time Kerry Reed caught the ball, which was two times, <laughs> uh, I looked at one. I said that you know what we were right last week. Kerry Reed is the best receiver on this football team, and uh, it was good to see that we had to get first touchdown of the game went to Kerry Reed, I believe. It did. Get two touchdowns for Kerry Reed. Our team as a whole outrushed Notre Dame by two hundred and one yards. It's no reason for you to outrush a team by two hundred yards. In a reigning bowl game like we had this past week. Darius who? Exactly. You don't outrush a team by 200 yards and control the ball for an extra eight minutes. In the rain where conditions are poor, where conditions are poor for passing and promote, you know, running the football to lose that game. Like, I don't see, I don't see how that possibly happened to them. Steve, coming in, the rookie. He's back. Uh, I just think about the game that uh... – JL should have pounded the ball at the end of the game. We could have wasted or gotten a first down, a couple more first downs, and bringing in our starter, Ringer, who was playing well, but I think Kirk was going to do better, pounding it down Notre Dame's throat. So uh, how, how you were in attendance at the game in the student section. How were those conditions out there? I can't comment on that. Uh, it was bad in the third and fourth quarter. It was pouring and pouring and pouring. Just came down, but in the student section, you were loving it because we were winning until the end. <laughs> Until the end is true, but hey, this is the official sports wrap Notre Dame post game recap: the good, the bad, and the ugly. We we move forward and progress to the bad. Jeff Simarja had seven receptions, two of them for touchdowns, and here's the clause: Kerry Reed, Matt Tran, and Jeremy Scott and Terry Loved had seven receptions combined. Our receiving core is not getting it done. Jeremy Scott dropped a pass late that just could have just got us over that that mental hump from those Drew Stanton interceptions. But come on, when Samarja uh, with the tight end, I can't, I can't call their names now, but th- we were out caught, if you would like to phrase it as that, by all Notre Dame's three top receivers. This, on, you look to the stat sheet, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, and then our receivers come into play on the stat sheet. You know what? You don't. Want, stats don't say everything, but you know what? Number of receptions do. Matt Trannon, two receptions, 
Like you said, Juan, Eastern Michigan was very, very flukish. <laughs> very flukish. Very right? flukish. 517-432-3893 is the number in a very heated basement tonight. No, it is not cold in this basement tonight. Fire John L. Smith or keep him. Fire him after next week. Fire him tomorrow. What's the word? Use that some of that $5 million donation to pay him off and get him out of town. I need to know what East Lansing thinks. 517 Four three two thirty eight ninety three, but hey, we move on with the bad, and the bad is we only scored six points in the second half. Goose egg in the fourth quarter. And when I saw you, Dan, when we were standing at halftime, we were standing in the press box. I told Dan, I said, Dan, look out, Weiss is going to take him in at halftime, and he's going to pull some kind of miracle job and have his kids ready for the second half. Dan looked me square in the face and said, no, Juan, no. They got this one in the bag. They got this one in the bag. You know what? As an, as an optimistic Spartan fan and sports broadcaster here at Michigan State University, I had I couldn't think otherwise. Are you kidding? We were up, what, 31-17 at half? Yes, 31-17. 31-17 at half, okay? We put up 31 on the Irish in one half. J.U. Colcrick pounding the ball all over the place. I mean, our receivers didn't get it done, but hey, Kerry Reed had two touchdowns. We Our defensive line, my goodness, did they look good. Penetrating. Clifton Ryan had a beautiful sack. Irvin Baldwin interception return for a touchdown. You know what? Our front line, no young and inexperienced. They look good. Um, Adam Decker came in number 55. No one knew who he was but me. <laughs> <laughs> the kid from Orchard, I believe, Orchard Lake St. Mary's redshirt freshman. When David Heron got hurt and played tremendous in his absence, you know th- those are those are somewhat the, of the good I saw, but we just didn't get it done. And I don't I don't like to break things down in percentages, but I I like to go 70, 30, 70 on the coaches, thirty on the players for that that breakdown. Oh, if not more on the coaches, I'm the biggest fan of players playing games and players winning games. You know, I'm the biggest I'm the biggest fan of that. And what I saw what the coaches did to them is almost they handicapped their own players. They saw the lead that they had, and they went into safe mode. And that's yes. that's the easiest way from anybody who's ever played or any tried to do anything as far as, you know, athletically. Going into safe mode is the easiest way to lose a game. Being overprotective, being too cautious, that's when you, your team slips and gets complacent, and it's all downhill from there. You always have to maintain aggressiveness, you know, even throughout the game. Even though you do have a lead, okay, your your play calling gets a you know a little more conservative, conservative. Yes, sir. A little more conservative, but it's still designed to move the ball forward and get first downs and attack the defense and continue to put pressure on them and continue to do what works. You know, they completely shied away from everything that worked, which was Ju Kokrick. There's no reason for Ju Kokrick to have the best game of his college career which he was having that Notre Dame weekend, on the biggest stage Michigan State has played on since I've been here. Yes, sir. Since I've been here. And he can't get the ball. He ended the game with eight carries, and, and three of those came in the fourth quarter, you know, when they were trying to, I don't know if you call it, maintain the lead or what. But why does Drew Stanton, who's supposed to be your quarterback, have 19 rushes with 36 yards for loss, you know, trying to run options and – and all of that, when you have J.U. out here, every handoff, he's consistently breaking tackles, making defenders miss, and flat out running them over. I don't, I don't get it. Like, the- like we said last week, 
uh, the option was was a nice go to play, but it, it was going to get exposed easy. You know, pump it, pump faking the ball to the outside. Char- Charlie Weiss, the offensive guru he is, he also knows how how to construct a defense, and they knew that the the option was coming and, and ate that up. And we went that to that too too early and too often, and, and they just ate that up. But you know, what? we're going to go back to the lines. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Well, well, well. If I know that voice, I know that voice is Town Shelton, the That's newest right. member of the ESPN family and an alumni of the Spartan Sports Wrap. Thank you, sir. What's going on? You know, you know what's going on, brother. We are breaking this game down. Your your expert analysis since you work for ESPN now, big wow. dog, big dog. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with Wine on this about. Wow! See that? That's a change. You see that? He gets he gets picked up by ESPN. He gets some sense. You see that? He leaves all that Dirk Nowitzki and and all that other craziness. Harold, I'm proud of you, man. Continue with your story. Go on, go on. But yeah, I definitely agree with you on the prevent offense. It's basically you know like the prevent defense. It prevents you from winning. Again, you got you have to run the ball with J.U. Crick in this situation. You can't you know keep running the ball with Drew as he's getting his head knocked off. It looks like he was still out of it from taking all those big hits early on anyway. But why would you run Javon Ringer with eight or nine men in the box? You need to run downhill. It's a wet track. You know, just pound the ball, get some first downs. But instead, you know, they just I mean, it's typical, it's typical Spartan football. You know, snatch the feet out of the jaws of victory. Same old story. So who? Where does the blame fall, John? Else, how much? Where's the where's the cut cut down of the of the blame? How much on who? Uh, I might even say eighty twenty on the coaches. Woo! That's what I that's what I'm looking at. I'm 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 with you on that one, Harold. I'm looking at eighty twenty as well because, like you said, run downhill. You have eight or nine men in the box, and not only should you have do it, or should you have done it, it was also working. You see, Ju Kokrick was definitely working running downhill. The entire game, well, his couple touches that he had throughout, you know, he had one carry in the first quarter for 30 yards, you know, gassed the whole crowd up, everybody's hooting, hollering, bam, no more. He's on the bench. Yep, it was the same old thing. There's no reason why a guy should have eight carries for 111 yards, and when the game's on the line, you don't give him the ball. It doesn't make any sense. So what what's the story with John L. Smith? I mean, you you were here for four years. You did, Harold just graduated. Works for ESPN Data Research, right? Or yeah, studio research. studio research works for ESPN Studio Research. Alumni of the Spartan Sports Rep. What's what's the word with John L. Smith? It, obviously, we I don't think you fire him now. But after the season, if he loses one more big game, he's done. He has to win at Ohio, at, at Michigan and Ohio State in my eyes to keep his job. I'd like to agree with you, but I think he'll still be around for a little more. Luckily, luckily for him and for a lot of Spartan fans out there, you know the Big Ten, the bottom part is extremely weak. So if he just wins the games that he should, they should get eight wins. But then again, this is Michigan State. We always find a way to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. So, you know, even though we should see eight and four, we might see something like seven, five, six, and a six. Yeah, we may. You can't. You really can't find grounds of justification to fire a bowl game coach. And if they make it to a BCS, was it fourteen million? Yes, yeah, fourteen million for that. But hey, so, so your thoughts, Harold, big Michigan State guy. Your thoughts? Uh, do you know anything about this recruit that Michigan State? Good news out of Michigan State. Uh, Corey Lucius, the five eleven combo guard from Milwaukee, committing this weekend. Yeah, I, I was very happy to hear that. 
again, it was a little surprising considering how, you know, we just got Kalen Lucas and we've been have a slew of guards. But I guess, you know, based off the 2003-2004 teams, they really didn't have a point guard. And Allen Anderson's whole junior year was basically, you know, in the toilet because he had to play point guard, same with Chris Hill. I guess he wants to, to stockpile, you know, on a lot of point guards. And you know, he definitely needs to get a big, though, because, you know, in the future when we lose Queese and Sutan and all those guys, he's going to have to get a big. I mean, it's great to have all these guards, but still got to have some points in the post. Oh, yeah, I think that's what they're trying to go for with Delvon Rowe from Ohio. But, hey, we're going to skip forward in the program a little bit because since you, I got you on the line, the Tigers are going to the postseason. Two questions, Harold. Will they win the Central, and how far will they go in the postseason? I think they will win the Central. I'm hoping they do it on Sunday because I'll be at the game. But uh, I think they beat Oakland but lose to the Yankees in the ALCS. Hey, that, that's somewhat of a wise pick. And uh, one more, Harold. Monday Night Football, Falcons at Saints, your pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints. I just think there's, there's going to be too much emotion going on in the, in the Superdome. First game back in New Orleans after Katrina. So I think Reggie Bush might have a big day. You know what? Thank you, Harold. Congratulations, uh, the newest member of the ESPN family, Harold Shelton. Big Harold in the Big house. On the line. Take it easy, brother. All right, y'all too. Man, great to hear from the alumni of the Sports Wrap tonight, man. Harold Shelton moving out to uh, Bristol, Connecticut here in the next few weeks to uh, take his job in studio research. So, you know, when you hear those those quick facts spitting through Stuart Scott's mouth, you know where they come from, baby. Green definitely, and white going out there to definitely. ESPN. Harold, I'm hot on your trails, brother. <laughs> I'm hot on your trails, Lord willing. But hey, you know what? I'm getting out of breath. I got to take a break. But you know, when we come back, we will talk about the ugly. And no one, I'm not talking about Steve's girlfriend. We'll be back. It's the basement on the Spartan Sports Rep. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., The Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. Okay, everybody, let's play Who Wants to Volunteer in Your Community? We'll start with Sam from Mobile, Alabama. Wait, hold on. I don't want to volunteer. Why not, Sam? We know you have the free time because you do absolutely nothing after school but sit in front of your computer. Wait, you've been following me? Yes, we have, Sam. Yeah, that's weird. So, let's have beautiful Cynthia here tell you what you could be doing. Thanks, Bob. Hi, Samuel. Uh, hello? Sam, you could take your computer knowledge and volunteer to teach people after school. But I... I don't know a thing about computers, but I'd love for you to teach me, Sammy. Wow. Wow, indeed. Looks like we have another happy volunteer. To find out ways you can volunteer in your community, log on to teensvolunteer.org. And join us next time for another episode of Who Wants to Volunteer in Your Community? Okay. Do what you like to do. Volunteer. A public service message brought to you by the USA Freedom Corps, the U.S. Department of Justice, the Crime Prevention Coalition of America, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the basement. You're in here with Dan and Dewan on the Spartan Sports Rep. 
your home for the best in sports commentary and breakdown in the city of East Lansing. But you know what? We move forward with the program. Got a little feedback in the headphones, but hey, we're going to work through it. And uh, hopefully you guys aren't getting that through the air. But hey, we'll be all right. Going on with the ugly. You know what? Bad gesture on my part to, uh, to, to make that joke about Steve here. But hey, you know what, Steve? We're going to kick it right off with you. What was the ugly of Saturday's loss to Notre Dame? Uh, I have two uglies. One uh, for sure would be Damon Williams kneeing at the 12. I think uh, even though we had the hands team on, he still should have let the ball go in the end zone, get it at the 20, no harm there. But the big thing is I think Jeff Samarja, every single time they needed to play, they want to slant to Jeff Samarja, hit us up every time. I can't, I can't agree more. That quick slant to Jeff Samarja, which is a design play to get you, what, five, three, to five. three to five yards, uh, went to the house, okay? Went to the house. We ran that play in high school. We got no more than eight <laughs> yards on that play. And Jeff Samarja <laughs> blew past Demon Williams like one of his 98-mile-an-hour fastballs he throws for the Notre Dame baseball team. And you know what? Here's one for you Spartan listeners. Demon Williams may go down as one of the worst corners in Spartan football history with the likes of Roderick Maples, okay? If you want to argue that one, give me a call, 517-432-3893. I was very disappointed with our play at that corner. Gregory Cooper, subpar performance from the senior corner. Hey, that's my guy, but you know what? Jeff Samarja and the Notre Dame receiving core. Guys I've never heard of ate you up for over 100 yards each. Two guys were over 100, and Brady Quinn threw for five TDs. And what was a soggy, wet game. In the poorest passing conditions you could possibly have. Jeff Samarja took that. Oh, I'm just having flashbacks. Jeez. Unbelievable. Sir Darian Adams cooked like the bacon I had on my BLT when I came here. Cooked by Samarja. Gosh, did he look good. We told you last week this kid had more speed than you think. And obviously... Adidas must make some good cleats because he wasn't slipping. Like Not De- once. Like DeMond Williams said in his post-game interview, our, our cleats were slipping. I just couldn't get my legs underneath me. Samarja had all 6'5 under him going to the house twice. So the ugly was obviously just blowing it. Unbelievable. The state news got something right for once in their issue today. You know what? You should get Ethan Conley. Way to go. I'm proud of you, kid. You, you should get the ball to, to J.U. Cole Crickmore. And you know what? We just blew that. I can't remember. I can't even recall the uh, the, the headline of today's paper. But uh, it, it was fitting. Very fitting. See, that's that's my ugly right there. Just the play calling. The entire play calling of that second half was the ugly of that football game. That was the poorest play calling I've seen in, in a very, very, very long time. I don't, yeah, like, we we need to stop being repetitive. You guys know what happened. Jay, you needed to get the ball more. Yeah. Uh, Drew Stanton had his head somewhere other than on straight, uh, but we we just didn't get it done. And uh, Dave Baldwin, offensive coordinator, uh, that falls on your shoulders. But more importantly, John L. Smith in uh, your coy self that you are, <laughs> uh, uh, in your, cowboy, your ostrich cowboy boots you're probably wearing today. Uh, your days here are numbered to two years, but uh, who knows how long uh, you'll be here. He's under John L. Smith is under contract for two more years 
uh, being paid somewhere around the 1.6 million a year range. So he has 3.2 year, 3.2 million left. So of that 5 million just donated, uh, that leaves 2.8 if you fire John L. Smith today and use the change towards Duffy Doherty expansion. But who knows what's going to go on with John L. Uh, next week is Illinois. We'll preview them now quickly because that's all they deserve. <laughs> but you know what? We don't deserve much more after our blow of a game last week. Jeez. Uh, Illinois, this home, this homecoming Saturday. Hey, got the parents coming into right. town. Got them some tickets. My sister's coming in from uh, Minnesota. Got her some tickets. I'm broke as all get out. But you know what? Everybody's going to be seeing the games. We're going to have a good time. Uh, Illinois, head coach Ron Zook. 2-9 uh, and nine last year. Still... <laughs> Bottom feeder of the Big Ten compared to uh, Eastern Michigan of the MAC, <laughs> if right. you li- if you'd like to go there. But hey, uh, they lost to Northwestern in the season finale last year. Was not pretty. Uh, but you know, you could look back five years ago. Uh, they were f- they said they did sit atop the Big Ten. You know, Illinois was uh, was ten and two five years ago. Wow. So uh, that evades my memory so, right now. So quickly the. Uh, the tie the can change. Can, can slip away. They went to their uh, their first BCS game that year, and uh, since then uh, they didn't. They haven't done squat. Yeah, I don't think you know they what? had ten. They probably have ten wins in the, over the last five years. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll start with quarterbacks. Uh, we'll break down the important positions. We won't bore you through this whole Illinois team. Got a couple shoutouts to some guys uh, that are from the above average squad here in Detroit, <laughs> Michigan, uh, that played on there. But hey, se- senior Tim Brasic, terrible quarterback. Terrible quarterback. I don't even know if he's still playing. I don't pay attention to Illinois after they got pounded by Rutgers. Rutgers, who is now ranked in the top twenty-five. For the first time. For the way first to time go! Way since, to go! Since, I think the first time since seventy-nine, something like that. But hey, uh, Tim Brassic is terrible. Every time I turn on the TV to watch Illinois, he's throwing an interception. Uh, Brassic is uh, couldn't get it done in the uh, classroom earlier this year. Uh, couldn't couldn't play there for a little while, but uh, don't worry there. Uh, Richard Mendenhall, the sophomore running back, uh, <laughs> quote ESPN.com. This is this is pretty funny. I read earlier today. Uh, <laughs> is like R- Richard Mendenhall, the, uh, the sophomore running back from Illinois, is like the new baby that moms bring home bring home from the hospital. Everybody oohs and ahs, while older brothers and sisters are left to say, "Remember us." But, hey, uh, remember us. We are the Spartans with one of the most high-powered offenses in a defensive line that proved itself very capable against Notre Dame, holding Darius Walker well under – well, he had like 40 yards or something. Right. Unbelievable. But, hey, nothing to worry about there. And, you know, we are going to skip through this, uh, except I want to get to uh, Dewan Warren uh, from Detroit, Michigan, a wide receiver. So uh, cheer for him, Michiganders, <laughs> you know, you know. The one bright spot Illinois may bring, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll just continue with this preview. Get a quick uh, shout out of a score uh, because we have bigger and better things. Like how about postseason for the Tigers to get to uh, Illinois? This will be an easy win for us, a good bounce back win for us. I mean, don't, don't get caught up in the hype of uh, of a midseason breakdown. We will not break down against Illinois. Trust me, not not at home, not against uh, Illinois, not homecoming. Um, we'll be fine. We'll be able to bounce back. And 
this is not even a bounce back game, okay? The bounce back game is in two weeks in Ann Arbor, okay? Yeah. That that is the game that will show if if we fold or if we come out and fight against Michigan. And uh, wow, is Michigan looking good? I've been saying this every week, and I I can't believe I'm saying it. That's my pick right there to win it all. Mario Manningham, best receiver in the country right now. Thank you, Juan. Uh, Matt Trannon, that's what you should be doing. You know, the coulds and the shoulds and the would haves. You know, they all. That's what Michigan State's all about. You know, what you know what could have been's. Yeah, you know, they'll probably look back at this and look back at that fourth quarter and say, you know, if we could have just done this, how 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 much different would our season have been? How would the outcome, you know, have changed? How would our lives be different now? Where could we have stood as far as the Big Ten and, and national ranking and the end of the year? Like, Or for the seniors, how, how could my last year have been? How could we have went out? You know, there's going to be a lot of things that's going that's going to play on their minds, you know, looking back at this Notre Dame game, especially if they come up one game short you know it's going to be the one that you gave back so eat great up. uh great editorial cartoon in the state news wow i'm giving the state news a little too much props today but uh uh john l smith handing charlie weiss a turkey that said msu while he was seated at, at a table that's that sounds about right <laughs> that's about what happened so that's but not hey, far that, that's enough uh, about talking about that. You, we'll move forward. Uh, Illinois is not much to worry about them uh, until basketball season. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so don't worry too much about this game Saturday. Should be a good time. Look out for Kermit the Frog. Oh yeah, he's uh, supposed to be the special home, guest. Homecoming Grand Marshal. I don't know how yeah. that works. You know, whoever puppeteers him, is going to be there. In the, they're going to uh, have a long weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> halftime. I don't know how they're gonna work that. Uh, well, who picks Kermit the Frog to be the home homecoming grand know. marshal? Can't we get like Jay Rich or somebody to come back? Some they they were here man. this weekend. What a, what a good sight to see that was to see the alumni back mingle mingle. I'll say mingle with them this weekend. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Went out there this weekend with the guys. Had a great time out this weekend. Some of my friends came back, so it was good to see those guys. And uh, go Dallas Mavericks next year, huh? So uh, Tigers going to the postseason. First time since I was born, okay, 87, but I was I was born in 86, but hey, you know, it's been 19 years, and uh, they did clinch this past weekend, uh, at least, at least the okay, wild card of the AL, yeah. and uh, Dewan, I believe you, yeah. <laughs> I believe you said that the Tigers were not I, going to the playoffs. I slated the Tigers, you know, I'll recant my statement, you know, I'll take my bad. You know, we're even at halftime of the Michigan State game. Right. I did I, say uh, Michigan State was going to win. You, you still went with your pick, Notre Dame. Yep, I, I slated the Tigers, you know. You stick to your guns. That's it. That's the White it. Sox are are That's on the it. golf course, and Ozzie Guillen's back to wherever, whatever Latin American country he's from <laughs> <laughs> to uh, cuss at some reporters down there. Yeah. But uh, the White Sox are done in my eyes. I hope you can agree on that. Yeah, I agree with you. But, uh, gentlemen, let's break it down. The rookie's in the house, and I'm not talking about Verlander. Steven, tell me, young man, no, I'm just playing, how far the Tigers can go in this postseason, and will they win the Central? Uh, I think they will win the Central, just that they're, uh, I think they're the better team right now. Uh, and the AL, I think they're going to lose to the Yankees, just like, our caller from ESPN said, uh, Yankees' offense is too good right now, and they're pitching. Hey, they're not that bad with Randy Johnson. I don't know what else to say. You know what? I do know what to say. The Detroit Tigers have the best record in baseball once again, Dewan, and it seems they're turning it on right at the correct and appropriate hour. 
And that would be what? What do you call that? The twelfth hour? Yeah. The last hour of whatever. Yeah, the midnight fi- hour. Figurative speech. They they say, but uh, we are ninety four and sixty two with the best record in in the majors. We are finishing up strong, and things can only look better for the Tigers as they finish the season with Kansas City. But before we get to Kansas City, uh, Toronto three games at home with Toronto. They're, they're a pretty solid ball club, but uh, when it comes to this far in the season. Uh, Toronto's not going to take chances with uh, star pitching. They're, they'll probably pitch some young guys. Right. Um, I'm not. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna take a look here and see who actually is pitching. Uh, who's that? Halliday. Yeah. That down there from Toronto. Someone we definitely have to worry about. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna share with you the starters for this upcoming, the rest of the season actually, uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Comerica Park. The Tigers play at 7:05. Um, Bonderman versus Towers. Never heard of him. He's one in ten. That's a wrap. Bonderman caught a little bit of confidence back. Um, Polanco is back. That is another bright spot. Robertson pitches Wednesday against Lilly. Uh, Robertson, uh, you know, he's a 500 guy. He, he gets the job done. Uh, the veteran Rogers pitches uh, this this Thursday against uh, was Burnett, Jeremy Burnett. Mm-hmm. That might be Jer- I'm get confused. Jeremy Burnett's too. Uh, but hey, Kansas City Friday coming to Comerica Park. The young rookie, who some say was uh, fading into the wind, Verlander, stronger than ever. No, but he he does look fatigued, but uh, he'll be okay. Because uh, at this point in the season, momentum and in, in, in raw emotion is going to get you through the game. Yeah, adrenaline to carry you through. Uh, as pitching against Hernandez. And Sunday, Bonderman returns, not even getting a week, less than a week off. Odd, but... You know what? Maybe the Tigers just do want the best record in baseball and uh, that central division pennant. They get a pennant, don't they? Yeah, it must be out to prove a point. Um, and watching the uh, the post game uh, interviews in the locker room on uh, FSN it was it was quite quite heartwarming. Yeah, they see, were uh, definitely excited, giddy. You know, running around pouring beer and champagne on each other. So <laughs> I got a glimpse of it as well. I like I like Jim Leland though. He's a class act. I mean, when interviewed and talked about it, taking Alan Trammell's job, he said he felt terrible. Just it's like taking a job from a friend. But uh, you know, it's it's all part of the business. You know, Alan Trammell did his part to set this team up for success. So hey, props props to everyone getting it done for the Tigers. Uh, like I said way back in the day, the Tigers are in the playoffs. They will win the World Series. And. Uh, <laughs> You know I still, what? I still can't take that one. I, I have to. I, we have to stick to our guns as, as sports I, writers. I, I you know, we'd, you, be, we'd be soft. You know we, what? People wouldn't listen if we didn't stick to our work. You know what? I feel you, Dan. But it's certain things I just have to see to believe. And the minuscule, the minuscule audience that does listen to the show, if they do remember <laughs> what I what I say, <laughs> I, I have to stick to my guns. All right. The Tigers winning it all. That's just something that I have to see. Like I don't care who's on their team, as long as they have on a Detroit Tigers jersey. You know, I would have to actually sit there and watch them win and get that last out before I would rule, you know, it put put it past them, shall we say, that, you know, it, nothing can happen the Tigers going to safely win this one. Because it's just it's just too much that happened to them, too many flukes just over the over the last my entire lifetime, put it like that. <laughs> yes, it it has been that long since uh the Tigers did get it done. But, but hey, I believe in them. I've got faith in the Tigers, like I predicted, that they would go to the playoffs this year and win the World Series. 
Uh, it's it's lofty expectations, but uh, you, we had a rough bump in August. As the, if you look at the at the at the paper, the Yankees didn't finish too hot either. Right. You know they did have a nice a nice run there, but uh, it's all who gets hot at the end of the season, as I like to say in baseball. And who's got the strong bullpen? And we've proven to have both of those. Pitching, yes, that's and uh, it, it'll carry us. And we've had some offensive production. Lo and behold, it be against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Compared to uh, you know a uh, upper level college team, right? But yeah. still though, that's all confidence though. Swinging the bat is all confidence. So if the guys can get their confidence up, playing against you know the Kansas City Royals, hopefully that carry over for them, and, and you know they could use that against you know the better pitching and be more effective. But hopefully the Tigers do get it done and finish with the 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 best record in baseball, and it will be the first time that eight cities basketball, hockey, and baseball teams have had the best regular season record. In the history of sports, well, that would be a jinx because so far the others. You know have gone what? It, you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, what? at least we have something to cheer for in this. Yeah, time. you're right. You're right. Come every season, we have a, a quality ball club to cheer for. You know, regardless, the Lions are three and zero and look like crap. Yeah. You know, we have something to cheer about year round, and uh, you can't complain. That's what. That's what makes uh, Michigan and Detroit, in particular, got to be the greatest sports. Sports town and state in the nation. One thing is for sure, though, if the Tigers somehow do find a way <laughs> to win the World Series, that will be the story that I would tell my grandkids and and persevere and and carry on because that would definitely be the greatest story I've ever heard. It'd be your, your lifetime, yeah, <laughs> your lifetime moment there. You that know, would like be my ma- moment. Make a wish foundation. Yes, kinda. I would definitely do my whole Make a Wish scheme. I would remember where I am, what I had on the whole nine. You know what? What is on tonight on Monday Night Football is the Falcons vs. Saints in what is promising to be an emotional outcome for the Saints in a uh, so much going on in New Orleans. Uh, wh- whatever side of the fence you're on, whether you know they're good to go or we need more aid down there, or whether uh, the government is you know whatever what whatever explicit term you'd like to use towards George W. Bush, you know what the the city's recovering from a flood and uh, a terrible hurricane. And you know what better what better of a stage to bring a city closer together than uh, of human achievement? That's why I'm in this business. That's why I do what I do. I don't like to talk and report about news and, and murders and killings. I like to talk about human achievement and people achieving things in sports that are extraordinary. And uh, I think that's what it'll be tonight. I, I don't think the Falcons have. I'll say they have a chance, but with the emotional outburst and uh, in inside of me, a little politics behind this game that just won't allow the Saints to lose this game. Yeah, I can't agree with you more, Dan. Even though I think the Falcons are a stronger team, I still like the Saints. Just just from all the energy that's going to be behind them, the emotion, like you said, driving them, and coming out and finally giving you know the the natives from New Orleans something to actually smile about. So, but hey, you know we'll go to Steve. Steve, your pick for this Monday night game. You did get the pick right last week. Props to you. The Steelers happen to be zero two, but hey. Your pick for tonight? Uh, I'm picking with New Orleans because of their high, and they're running with Deuce and Reggie Bush. They're, they're dual running backs. I think they can pound the ball down Atlanta since uh, the team. This kid loves pounding the ball. <laughs> yeah, <if> you <laughs> yeah. haven't noticed. Pounding the ball wins games with offensive line. That's right. And, uh, Denver Didn't the Denver Broncos offense? Geez, you can put anyway. I could have run behind that line and get yards. But, hey, you know what? That's a wrap on the Spartan Sports Wrap tonight. Uh, coming up next is the uh, Jazz Spectrum. Yeah, this is a music station, but hey, we survive as a sports show on this station. Uh, for Steve Juan, 
I'm Dan, I'm in the hot seat. My heart's in Dallas and I'm out. Wanna be slanting at your boy, Harry RM. Kicking it with my main man, Dan, host of Spartan Sports Rep. Gets it every Monday night at 7 p.m. Only on WDBM. Impact exposure. Impact exposure.